Hello and welcome to episode number six of Feedback on Unwind Media. I'm Rob Attrell and every month I sit down with talented Ottawa musicians Damien and BL. Today we'll be talking about playing for charity, deciding whether the new Mumford & Sons meets our expectations, and discussing the ups and downs of being a part-time musician. As usual, Damien and BL will also be playing some music this month and you'll hear that sprinkled throughout the episode. This episode of Feedback is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download as well as a free 30-day trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind, as in unwind media. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from, and they have apps for iPhone as well as Android. Hey, this is a quick message from Rob in the future. Before we get started, here's an important programming note. In a little bit, we talk about an acoustic charity show featuring our very own Damien and BL uh, that was scheduled for May 9th at the Daily Grind in Ottawa. Now, when we recorded the episode, this was in the future, but when you're hearing this recording right now, it's in the past. Uh, you hear me get really confused about time and verb tenses, uh, and it's hilarious, but more importantly, the show has been rescheduled, so you didn't actually miss it. Uh, it's now happening on June 6th, uh, still happening at the Daily Grind. We'll have more details as well as a link to the event at unwindmedia.com slash feedback, the same place you'll find this episode. Now, on to the show. Uh, okay, this is the last episode of Series 1 or Season 1 of Feedback. How are you guys doing today? Oh. Now that's kind of heavy. I was going to say mm -hmm. that it was, it, it's been so much fun for sure, but now it's the last but one of this season. It'll be back. It'll be back. Yeah, okay. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll, be we'll be back don't worry BL we'll the, be back the timing of this show is nice I, I set out to, in what was it December I set out I thought six episodes one a month was, was a good start and then I knew I had a wedding coming up this summer so I knew that there was going to be a lot of stuff going on and so six episodes would be a nice thing and then in the fall we'll probably start back up again well you know what now that we have a couple minutes of time some air time Thanks very much for listening. Yeah. And thank you, Rob, for hosting. Thank you, Damien, for uh, being Damien. It's been so much fun. <laughs> oh, it has been. It has been fun. Been yeah. Thanks fun. for inviting us, Rob. Uh, for all I, the listeners out there. Thank yeah. you very much. I want to specifically apologize for last episode because I... The, <laughs> listeners uh, who listened to episode five probably noticed that the audio was a bit off. Uh, I screwed up the audio. That one's on me. <laughs> I had the mics calibrated, and I I didn't realize Why that I made a mistake. Why are you apologizing right now? It was, it was terrible, oh, but this okay. is better. Well, now, I, in this episode, we each have a microphone, so this should be the best episode so far. Okay. You I'm placed hopeful. a lot of pressure on us. I, no, no, no. I mean, just sound quality-wise. We oh. can say whatever we want. It'll just sound good. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of last episode, uh, we had a couple of things that we wanted to talk about again. So the first one of those is um, the wedding gig. You guys have now performed... As a wedding band. Yeah. We're different. The champagne. Yeah. We're different men than we were before <laughs> going in. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really fun. It was really labor intensive. It was really nerve wracking, but it really paid off night of when, uh, people were there. They were right. My, one of my, one of my biggest fears was, was that people weren't going to want to dance, but these people danced for everything that we played. Like it was crazy. There was almost always someone on the dance floor um, and, and, a, and a, like big groups of people on the dance floor too. And, and they were just like, 
they were loving it and they were singing along and they were dancing along and they were, you know, screaming and yelling and jumping. And it was it was so much fun, but it was a lot of work. That was a long day. It was a really long day. Just to give you uh, sort of a slice on how, I mean, we started setting up at 12 noon and we didn't leave the premise until maybe one thirty or 2 o'clock. That said, between the hours of maybe 4 and 6, we had a two-hour gap where we can uh, take a little breather and go home and get dolled so, up. But, so we're talking 12 okay. noon until 2 in the morning the next yeah. day. <laughs> um, except for, yeah, like an hour, I, I had gone home and, and you know, got showered and... Right. Stuff like that made myself uh, presentable, and then and then came back. But so yeah, it was a long day. And Biel, and Biel went to the the ceremony as well. So he had like double okay. wedding duty that day. Like he was a guest and a performer. Um, that said, during the the dinner, I mean, it was relaxing in some ways, but also a little bit stressful in other ways because we had all set up and we were ready to go, and you kind of get antsy waiting for it to happen, you know. So yeah. I think. That was, I mean, because you would think, right, you're eating dinner, you're pretty relaxed, but actually in your head, you're thinking about, oh, what did I miss? Could this go wrong? And so it's a little bit stressful that way while you're waiting. So it's And also, I was very tired during the dinner. I literally, like, no word of lie, I almost fell asleep at the dinner table, and <laughs> I considered very seriously, I went out for, a fre- for fresh air for a bit, and then I came back, but I was still falling asleep. And I considered like going to my car and sleeping in my car for like 10 minutes, but then um, something happened and then we ended up having to play. Like I, I didn't have a chance to do that before we played. And then it's weird. Like I was feeling that way before. And then as soon as it was time to play, I was good to go. Like I take like drank a cup of coffee or something like that. <laughs> so I, I guess like adrenaline goes a long yeah. way. Um because I felt completely fine right before we were playing. And so the songs themselves went very well. I think we we did a good job. The first three songs were the songs we worked the most on, and I think they turned out to be the best songs. And They were very nice. For good reason, too. I mean, special dances, right? So, right. So many thanks to uh, Dan and Craig from Beau Real, which is another great Ottawa band for... Uh, Dan for drumming uh, with us and Craig for being our sound guy for that uh, for that evening. Um, without them, we wouldn't have been able to to pull it off. It was it was a lot of fun because a lot of what people don't seem to be mindful of of the performances, the logistics, and simply put, when you have to bring all your sound equipment, it's transporting them, setting it up, tearing it down, make sure it's safe during the show for uh, people to walk around and things like this. And Dan and Craig covered it magnificently. And without their help from that aspect, I don't know how we would have done the show without yeah, them. They really helped us out. So huge, huge thank yous to them. Um, and above all, George and Dina, the bride and groom, they were, they were very happy. And, um, they even said that the owner of the the hall was inquiring about us, wanting oh. to know uh, who we were. So, um, so there was that, and uh, yeah, I think everybody left happy. And of course, as at an Italian wedding, we left with some food. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Dina's mom made sure that we went home with some food. Probably too um, much. There's probably still some left. <laughs> <laughs> it was all good, though. It was, oh, man, delicious. everything was so delicious. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, it, it it ended up being, 
it ended up being a very great night, just not, not even as musicians or being able to, to do that, but also just as people like enjoying the wedding, like the, the ceremony or not the ceremony, sorry, the reception was very nice. I'm not sure the ceremony yeah. I'm sure was very nice as well, but um, so yeah, we're very thankful to uh, George and Dina for inviting us and, and uh, feeding us and letting us play. And, um, and they were very supportive and very encouraging. So yeah, but um we we were recently debating whether or not we would do another wedding. Right. Um, and it's different. I guess a second wedding would be different because we have all these songs now. Uh, so it wouldn't be as much work going into it. But I was I was leaning on the side of no. But I think I somehow got convinced that, yes, <laughs> I would do another wedding. You would under certain circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, simply put, the excitement and the energy that was fed to us during the show, there's no equivalent. I mean, right. the one thing that I remember and I kept kind of highlighting this for me was seeing the whole crowd throw their hands up during shout, which I had never really seen from my angle, from right. the performer's yeah. angle. I mean, I'd seen it in movies and sometimes I'd be in the crowd, but to see it from the eyes of the performer that is something i'll always remember and it's those moments that i kind of shoot for because we were chatting about like biel said that you know he felt a sense of pride that he was directly responsible among the rest of us like directly yeah. responsible for them dancing and like throwing their hands up in the air and shouting and, and shouting, shouting yeah. of course by his, <laughs> yeah by like like yeah. it was because of music that we were playing that they were having that much of a great time so um it made us feel very proud did a good good enough job yeah uh yeah so it was um yeah very very cool but like i said we're different men now <laughs> like men who have gone to battle <laughs> i'm back yeah you, got, you yeah. guys were also saying that uh you had to basically change the set list on the fly because everyone wanted really upbeat songs so you felt like you couldn't play slower songs and it worked really well because everyone just danced the entire time like there was no there was so much dancing more than you were expecting yeah, so as per as per the bride and groom's uh, suggestion, we kind of we kind of designed the set in a way that was a bit slower in the beginning, and then got gradually faster yeah. and more um, exciting. Um, but um, I think it was just the crowd, like because they were assuming, you know, they said that there were going to be a lot of older people there, and so we don't want to um, play too loud or too fast for them until they leave. And then we can kind of gear it up a, a little bit, but, um, but right away, all the young people, young and old were just on the dance floor after the first three songs, which were all slow songs. Um, the MC said, okay, uh, everybody to the dance floor and let's enjoy the music from sons of Pluto. And people would just like flock to the dance floor. <laughs> and like I had, uh, our first song was going to be something very slow. Wonderful tonight by Eric Clapton. And as soon as I saw them congregating on the dance floor, <laughs> I was like, Nope, we got to do like, so from the very first song, yeah. it was like, no, we have to do a different song. Cause these people are like looking at us and ready to party. Um, so we did a few fast songs in that first set and then some slow songs. And we were, um, I was very pleased that people still stayed on the dance floor for the, for the slow songs. Um, and they just kind of slow dance. And that was very, very nice. And I saw some of the older people singing along to those slow songs, like the older slow songs. And, um, so that was, um, 
That was interesting, but it was we had to make quite the adjustment on the fly. And so I was taking songs from the second and third set and putting them in the first set. The second set was a little bit shorter. And then the third set was almost the normal amount um, of time uh, that we had um, that we had uh, designed it to be. Um, and the third set was just electric. Like the third set just did not stop. Like they, we went from song to song and they were shouting and dancing and singing along and participating. And the third set was like really great. And I think it felt really great for us too, as a band, because we were worried about the amount of practice that we had had before. Mm-hmm. How yeah. many times did you practice full band of Eve? All of, well, I'm giving up our uh, industry secrets here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe four, four or five, four, times. four times yeah. as a full, as a full band. Right. So we were a little bit, we were a little bit worried, but something clicked and it just went very well. And we even threw in a song there that none of us rehearsed. <laughs> that we knew though. That we knew. That we played like, before, but never all played. together. Never all together. Yeah. Right. So we've we all had played. It. Well, the drummer, I don't think I don't think Dan had actually played yeah. it, but he yeah. knew it. He'd heard the song, and then the other three of us have done it before. And but as a unit, we hadn't practiced it at all. Right. And so uh, Christina, who's also in Sons of Pluto, she suggested doing Santeria because we do the same with Santeria where. We put the French, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air rap in the middle of it, and uh, so at first I was like, "Well, no, we couldn't possibly do that. We haven't practiced that together." Right. And then everybody was like, "Oh, I know it. I know it. I'm comfortable with it." So then we were like, "Okay, let's do it," <laughs> and the crowd loved it. Like they, they really loved it. And the Fresh Prince, when that came around, like they like lost their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was very, very fun. Very, very fun. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really well. Cool. Uh, The other thing we wanted to talk about before we get too far into what we had planned to talk about today is feedback volume one. So putting the music from these these shows together and I've gotten I don't know if if you've seen it, but I've gotten at least a few people who are interested in us doing it. Oh, that's good. So uh, we're going to go for it and just see what happens. I've started to learn. It's been a little over two years that I've been doing sort of the social media, getting excitement up for things. And basically what I've learned is you have to, until you have an existing audience of people expecting something, you kind of, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to tease this or pre-announce this. You have to actually just say, hey, this is the thing now. And then people will actually respond. Right. Even if they're interested in doing it, they're not going to say anything. Right. Yeah. But so. So that's the the approach. There's been some response. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to hit this hard. Some probably not right away, but maybe in about a month. Cool. Three weeks to a month. We'll see what, how it goes, but yeah, I'm pretty yeah. excited. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that'll be really cool. I've never put together an album, but I'm really looking forward to doing that. I'm excited for you for it. Yeah. I'm excited for me. Yeah. I'm excited for us. This exactly. is good. I love this. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do we have a title for Falling One? We could come up with one. I thought just feedbacks Volume One, but okay, not feedbacks. Feedback Volume One, but. We could certainly come up with a, a title for After the Colon, like a subtitle. We don't have to discuss it now. We can discuss it later. Okay. <laughs> Unless you have some I ideas. <laughs> I was like, oh, usually albums have titles. But yeah, we can call it Feedback. If you're listening and you have a great idea for Feedback Volume 1's <laughs> title, tweet yeah, it absolutely. to tweet it at Underscore Feedback FM. Twitter account for feedback. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks Fio. so the the last thing i wanted to follow up on from our last episode we had a bit of a conversation about uh, the loudness war that was going on 
and how songs are basically just getting louder and louder with people pushing up against the barrier of as loud as speakers will go, like before you start maxing them out. And uh, one of the, actually it'll tie in kind of nicely into Mumford and Sons. Cause I was looking at the waveforms of the new Mumford and Sons album that was released today. Right. Right. Yes. And uh, some of them were pretty well mixed mm-hmm. in, in terms of not being super loud, but some of them were just right up against the right. ceiling the entire time. And, and the vocals got kind of drowned out on yeah. some of those tracks. Yeah. yeah. Something that I, I, you know, a band like them with access to recording studios and producers like they have, I, I was wondering, like, why they didn't... Maybe it sounded good to them. Maybe it, that's what they yeah. wanted. Like, it's maybe a that's, trend. If, I'm, I'm sure the producer... If I'm sure they weren't pushing for that. Yeah. But it's a trend among producers to sort of try to be the loudest you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I want to specifically follow up on uh, in this is sort of the general question of how much for us in the room, how much does music quality matter to you? And uh, so to start this off, I was reading an art. I read an article actually a really, really long time ago that I'm luckily I, I Googled for about 20 minutes trying to find it. Uh, and it was an article about how YouTube is kind of fighting back against this loudness war. So what they've done in about the last six months is they've started leveling automatically leveling songs. Mm-hmm. So you, you can upload your uh, your song with whatever volume you want. But what YouTube has been doing has been automatically keeping all the songs and even going back into back catalogs. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's uploaded music, they'll bring it down to, I think it was minus 13 decibels. So it, it's like a reasonable volume, mm-hmm. but it, it also evens out the playing field. So you right. can, you can upload as loud a song as you want and it'll, it'll get cut to the compressed down to the, yeah normal sort of baseline for what they for youtube expects reasonable music to be but yeah. there's no competition to be the loudest yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's good i think that's good um also just for i don't know for for people's um ear health yeah, <laughs> as yeah, well yeah. <laughs> um you know it's it's um I mean, I don't know if you guys have but like in my playlist like on my iPod there are some songs that like cuz I think the iPod or iTunes also regulates the, yeah, the volume there's a the setting function. That you can, yeah. 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 So but sometimes it doesn't catch it and like a song all of a sudden is just way too loud for like a second and then it huh. and then it kicks in. So I have songs like that or I have songs that are just way louder than the other ones and it's yeah. just like you you don't know what what to expect like you should know what to expect when you're like when you click on a youtube video you've never seen before and all of a sudden it just like blasts in your ears yeah. like i've had that and uh i remember a lot of people in the comment section would be like rest in peace ears because <laughs> and it was like as like a sort of like a little warning to whoever yeah. was like listening to it like to turn down your speakers um but i think that's really great that youtube is doing it a because it levels the the playing field in terms of like the loudness, but also you know what to expect in terms of volume yeah. from YouTube. Like you're not going to be unpleasantly surprised, but also for your ear health, like you you should you shouldn't listen to the music too too loud. Yeah, and so I'm glad YouTube is like kind of backing that whole notion that like you should listen to music and and everything at like a reasonable level so that you keep your hearing in the long term. Yeah, yeah. Since I turned 25 or so, I've started every time I'm in a place where there's loud music, whether it's live music or whether it's pumped through speakers, 
I have a decibel meter on my phone and I pull it out and I start showing everyone along with the chart. You're such a dork. Along with the chart of how, how long you you should reasonably spend in I that amount of volume. I remember you did that. We were at Hard and Crown and you did damage. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 15 minutes, you're going to get hearing loss. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. It's not a good feeling. And, and really as, not. as bands though, we, we also are exposed to oh, yeah. uh, a lot of yeah. loud, loud music. It's Sons of Pluto's ourselves like it you know playing playing up there for 45 minutes an hour however long we play um yeah it's it can get loud especially with those drums or like when we're practicing when we practice in like a rehearsal studio um we very often wear earplugs just because it it gets quite quite loud and if you're in a venue where you're listening to other bands play too um, and like heavier band, cause Sons of Pluto is kind of like a softer side, like softer sort of sound, I yeah. guess. Like we can get loud too, but it's pretty soft compared to some of those like more, uh, more heavy bands out there. Um, and if we go to a venue and it's like a battle of the bands or something like that, we're exposed to loud music the entire night. And then you finish and you come out where it's quiet and you have that like ringing or that like yeah. buzzing feeling and, and it's yeah. not good. It's just like, this does not feel, this does not feel normal. I forget whether it was, I think, I feel like it was Maverick when you guys did that battle of the bands and you were almost like, turn it down. We, we're not this loud. We don't want to be a wall. Of yeah. Sound. Because wanna... the, the sound guy quite obviously was used to heavy metal bands right. or, you know, something like that. And that's not, that's not what we are. So he, he had the settings up for like that type of band. So everything was just so, so, so loud. And we have different instruments that like, we have a guitar, a violin and a piano plus drums. Like, yeah. like we don't have the, the conventional, uh, four piece, four rock, piece band, rock band right. ensemble. Yeah. Right. So it, it takes a little bit extra to try and figure out what sounds best from, from that combination of, of instruments. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an art actually leveling, leveling out everything and making sure that you get the best, uh, sound from everything. Um, you really have to know your stuff on that. But in terms of listening to music loud, like my girlfriend always tells me to turn down music. Cause I, I love, <laughs> especially in the car, like I love turning up cause the car, my car has a, no matter how loud you listen to something before you turn it off, yeah. when you turn it back on, it always goes back to 12 oh, on the volume. Okay. Um, so it's all, every time you turn it back on, it's always at 12 and then like, um, so, so sometimes I'll turn it up to like 20 and Becca's just like, that's too loud. <laughs> I was just like, no, but you have to like, listen, like you have to like hear all the elements and stuff. So you got to listen to it loud, you know? Cause I really like to just like hear everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of loud music too, yeah. but I worry about my oral health, my ear health. I really do. Oral, oral, oral yeah. Ear, Very oral, distinction. Oral. A-U-R-A-L. Oral. Oral health. Um, I love loud music. And I think, though, that the adjustments on YouTube and this trend back to something that has more dynamic yeah. is certainly something that I welcome very much. Uh, I think for me, I'm generally attracted to music that has dynamic within the span of a song from beginning to end. And it's another tool that di uh, of, you know, dynamic that musicians can use to create certain moods. So certainly I welcome that for sure. Yeah. There's a fire starting in my heart, reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark. 
Finally, I can see you crystal clear. Go ahead and sell me out and I'll lay your ship there. See how I leave with every piece of you. Don't underestimate the things that I would do. There's a fire starting in my heart. Reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark. The scars of your love remind me of us. I can't help feeling we could have had it all. The scars of your love relieve me breathless. I can't help feeling that we could have had it all. But I've heard one of you and I'm gonna make your head burn Think of me in the depths of your despair Make a home down there as my share won't be shared The scars of your love, they leave me breathless I can't help feeling that we almost had it all The scars of your love remind me of us They keep me feeling we could have had Another thing uh, that I have on, on here, when it comes to music quality, um, I don't listen to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio for probably 10 years. <laughs> other than, I've listened, when other people listen to the radio, I've, I've heard the radio, but I, I've never turned the radio on. Right. And one of the main reasons for that is how bad it sounds. When it's coming mm-hmm. over the air mm-hmm. through FM or I guess AM, although that's a lot rarer here. Um, I've noticed that especially if you get into an area where there's any sort of loss of signal, it sounds so terrible. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea that I have a phone full of MP3 files that are going to play perfectly, right. I, I can't stand the radio because it's so, it's so glitchy. Like vinyl has sort of the nice 
quality to it where you get right. some artifacts and things yeah that sound, makes it sound nice and rich yeah but radio i just i can't stand it do you guys listen to the radio do you ever experience that i listen to the radio a lot um <clears throat> mainly because like okay so my car has a uh has a an ipod input yep. so i can plug in the ipod and control it from the steering wheel and it's always the the quality of that is always always better because it's just like a direct yeah like to the whatever quality the the mp3 is um but <clears throat> right now my ipod isn't working so <laughs> i've been forced to listen to the radio um or plug in my phone or something but um you're right um Sometimes I'm just wondering, like, sometimes I don't notice. And then all of a sudden I kick in and just like, this sounds terrible, (laughs) you know? And, and I'm not like in a place where I assume there would be some sort of interference, but, but, uh, you know, it, it gets all fuzzy and stuff. And sometimes I just have like, I'm at a stoplight and sometimes I just have to like move up a little bit and then the (laughs) the signal clears and, and it sounds fine again. But, um, yeah, I, I guess that's the that's the nature of radio signals, like signals going through the air. Like it's not going to always be not always going to be perfect. Um, but I do quite enjoy the, the iPod sound a lot better just because it's more, um, reliable, uh, and, and clearer. How about you, BL? I listen to the radio much like I have like flights of beer samples. Like it's a great way to get a quick taste of what's out there and what's popular, whatever. Right. I don't know if it's a good analogy, but no, you pick the ones that you like, then you go back and say, Oh, I really like this one. And then you're going to go back and examine the elements within one song or one, you know, particular thing that you enjoy, but it's a nice sampler. It's a way to kind of reach out to what's popular and you get a lot at once that you would not have otherwise. Cause I also find, uh, getting your hands on MP3s is a little bit um, restricting too, because you only have the ones that you find. And what if yeah. you're not discovering new artists? And we've mm-hmm. talked at length about finding oh, yeah, new absolutely. artists. Mm-hmm. So I mean, as a method of you know coming in contact with songs, it's great. Quality wise, I don't really care because you do get that breadth. Yeah, yeah, it's worth the trade off for the, I think well, so. the time you for spend me, discovering. It does. Yeah. Yeah, and then with radio, you get guests that go on and talk and stuff. So you get a whole breadth of different things there. So I don't mind it. Okay. If you're listening to, like, satellite radio, that's... Yeah, that's, oh, that's a different story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Story. We're yeah. talking FM here. Yeah. We're talking yeah. old school. But there's a lot of cool stuff to listen to on satellite radio. Yeah. And is the is the signal on satellite radio also better? It's better, yeah. Yeah. It's... It, the quality would be affected if you're out of satellite range, but there are so many satellites yeah. now that you're always within mm-hmm. range of at least like what two or three, mm. maybe even four. It's just I'm getting way off topic. <laughs> I think there's four. I think if you have GPS, you're within range of four satellites. Okay, uh, shall we get to the actual meat of the show? I hate when I do that. I always well, say meat of the show. You already said you already said so it. People I, I like tofu it. or yeah. non soy based products, but non meat. The nuts of the show. Let's nuts. get to the nuts of the show. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Let's keep that. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that you guys brought up to me is that you're playing a, a charity show very soon within the next week. Is it was it the twelfth? Do I have that right? The ninth. 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 Okay, ninth. So <clears throat> what's what are you guys playing for? So it's a charity gig for an organization called 
Oh, Sean, please correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. Um, Mountains of Blue, I believe, and an organization uh, dedicated to providing information for families that have children diagnosed with autism or the anything on the autism dis, uh, disorder spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be held. It's a fundraiser. It'll be held at uh, the Daily Grind. Yeah. Saturday, May the 9th, somewhere between 7 and 9. And me and Damien were invited to play couple songs 30 to 45 minutes uh just liven up the mood coffee house style uh acoustic so mm. it should be a good time nice and this isn't by any means the first charity show you guys have done no i don't think so we've done a lot we've done a lot of charity shows yeah mm-hmm. we've run a charity show yeah november last yes. was that last year or was that two years ago i have lost all concept of time that was last I think year it must right have been two years ago now yeah but it helps us it helps us gain a different sort of perspective when we do these charity shows because November was was something that we actually did from the ground up. Oh yeah. Uh, and we came out of left field. We were just like, Well, November, what do we do? Oh, we want to make a difference. Why don't we Well it's just like yeah. and also that chari- that particular charity is is also very, very cool and you know, brings awareness to prostate cancer and men's health that um, but, uh, I think, you know, there was so much involved with, with that from like printing tickets and organizing games and soliciting, um, uh, local businesses for, uh, for prizes and, mm-hmm. and, or, you know, it, it just, a lot of it went, a lot of things went into it and it was a lot of fun, but I think that also helps us to understand where people are coming from. Uh, and how to integrate ourselves into that sort of event because we've been on the other side of that too. And so mm-hmm. we always try and do a good job for, um, for events like that um, just because they're, they're so important. Yeah. I really think so. Giving back uh, is really important to all of us in Sons of Pluto, and I think that's one of our kind of hallmarks, you know. Right. And because we've run the event or participated in these events from both the side of the organizer and the side of the performers, we have a really good understanding of what's required in one of these things. And I think that's what makes us kind of uh, able to deliver a good uh, show for them. Yeah. Right. I think the only time you guys have not... I've never heard of a show you guys turned down because you do charity events all the time. It's, it sort of seems like if you guys can at all do it, you will. Yeah, if there's no if there's no scheduling conflict, we'll we'll basically we'll do the show because we love to play music, and it doesn't really matter how how much we're getting paid. We just like, we love to play music. Yeah, <laughs> we're a very, very cheap band. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it fits for a good cause for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and for me, it's very inspiring to meet all these, you know, leaders in their field trying to make a difference. And it's mm-hmm. just so inspiring watching them kind of trying to make a difference in their respective fields of expertise. It's wonderful to be part of something bigger than you and learning from them and learning about what they think are things that need to be fixed yeah. or solved. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I know I like to think, well, I don't really actually like to think that, but I've, I've been at these shows and I feel like I'm making a small difference by letting people like helping you guys out, letting people know about it and filming the show and yeah. like talking about it. But I know that that's not anything compared to actually going through the effort of, of learning songs and getting all this equipment together and 
getting in the car together and getting the all the equipment set up and getting the sound right and like it takes hours of work it's not just the money that you would you could earn as a band if you were no. playing shows it's it's a bunch of time as well and it's just awesome yeah. to see you guys doing that oh. yeah everybody plays their role and i think if everybody puts in what they can to an effort like this i think yeah. it's you know it's good yeah yeah but we always enjoy having you uh document it all yeah it's it, it is fun uh, at some point, they'll do another We Are the World, and and you guys will get invited or a live eight. They are doing a live. They're doing a uh, live Earth. They're doing a live Earth this year, I think. I don't would, know. Would that have been for Earth Day? I feel like that would have been a good tie-in if they that that would have been. But <laughs> I I don't I don't remember when it's going to be. But um, yeah, they're doing one because I remember hearing on the news that um, that an artist. Uh, Morrissey Morrissey probably uh, Morrissey uh he he wrote an open letter to the, oh, orga- yep. the or- organizers right of of Live Earth um asking them not to serve meat at the event because uh the mass consumption of meat is one of the things that is actually harming the environment um uh for, and and it it really is like as humans we eat too much meat and that has an effect on the earth and so he he basically said, don't serve me. Like, if you really care about the cause, don't serve me because that's one of the problems. Um, huh. So anyway, uh, it's June 18th, 2015. There you go. And uh, a global series of events over 24 hours on six continents. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Wow. seems, seems like it would take up a lot of electricity too. It seems like it probably would. No, it's all acoustic <laughs> shows. It's all acoustic. Just all acoustic. <laughs> no, I'm sure that they're, Trying to be carbon neutral somehow, I guess, maybe. I don't know. They'll do it during the day, so they don't need any lights. Right. So <laughs> something. Yeah. No, I remember last time it happened, it was all during the day. It could have been, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's 24 hours. There's going to be some night. Although it could, I guess it could stretch across the earth throughout As the day. As the day passes by. As I recall, it was all daylight. Or it like could be when, solar, solar powered, maybe. Because there are lots of power. ways. Yeah. There are a lot of Feel ways. free to take our advice, Live Earth. I'm What's sure you the, have uh, You might talk about that in your next uh, science podcast, right? We could. That's <laughs> it's, This is an awesome, like, I really like. And again, I have no way of, other than giving money, I have no way of, like, helping out this cause directly. But I feel like talking about it at least is something. I think so. Absolutely. Everybody plays their role, man. For sure. Yeah. My role is to talk. <laughs> to share, to 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 engage, to educate—it's all good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole different thing, but yeah, I think you guys—it's a lot harder. Let's just play the humility game. <laughs> I think actually playing music is a lot harder I, I than think just Rob, talking about things. I think Rob is way too humble. He does so <laughs> world's much. most humble genius. That's right. We like to call him. Mm-hmm. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> that was their mistake. Uh, that was—I think that was episode three of Ottawa. <sighs> When it, when it was the focus it was, was on you, me, I knew. Yeah. yeah, I wrote. I was a super spy, and I was the world's most humble genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about performing for charity, or you kind of done with that? Talking about it for now, we'll, we will at some point update. Obviously, um, you can find out more, and you can probably see. You guys can maybe post pictures of the event, or send me pictures, and I'll post them. Uh, on Twitter at you, Unwind. You will be there, underscore. Rob. I, I, you? <laughs> I, don't I might be able to putting be him there. on the spot. Is, it, is Friday or is it Saturday? Saturday? Saturday. I think I could do that. There I'll certainly go. try. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
Look for Rob's live tweets from the event, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> underscore feedback FM. That's uh, that's where pictures will be on Twitter. Uh, and you could also, of course, uh, we'll be talking about it. This is happening afterwards, but we'll talk about it. Um, right. So you can feel free to come yeah. or you will have already felt free to come. I'm good at verb tenses and remembering that things are happening in the past. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears a little bit. And uh, Damien, I wanted to give you this opportunity to take a few minutes to just talk about the Mumford and Sons album that came out today, the day we're recording, which is May 4th. Yeah. What do you, what did you think? We, we had from based on the first few songs, we had some mixed feelings, but yeah. So, um, I thought it was good. I thought, Obviously, it's not the same Mumford and Sons that we've known from the first two albums, um, and it didn't. It didn't. Uh, like Rob, you and I were discussing it uh, before we started um, recording, but but uh, it, you said that it it kind of grabbed your attention almost right away, and then you kind of just posted through it yeah. with with that sort of feeling. For me, it was. Um, I feel like the songs that they really, I think they released four songs before this came out. Um, actually, yeah, they had a couple live videos and they, right. So they did, they did, uh, believe and, uh, and the wolf and snake eyes and Hopkins square park. I think those were the four Mm -hmm. that they did. And, um, and I think those ones were probably the best ones on the album. um, might have been very strategic and very smart for them to do that. Uh, and the other ones, the other ones are nice too. Like they're nice and, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with them, but it's just like when I, when I listened to the other Mumford and Sons albums, like there was just like this, like swelling sense of epicness, if that's even a word that was happening. And I felt, you know, they had the horns in there and they had, uh, various instruments that, and, and it's cool to see them though. It's cool to see them like in, um, experiment with like synthesizers and they have a violinist as well. And to add a full drum kit as well, like it really drives the music. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, but I, overall, maybe it, it'll take me a little bit more time to get into it. Like Babel for me, I was immediately into, right? Like I listened to Babel like once a day, at least for like <laughs> a year after it came out. Right. And, um, but wilder mind might take some time. Um, and for me also, like when I listen to songs, I really try and listen to the lyrics and like how beautiful the lyrics are. And when I heard believe, for the first time, I was really worried because they were kind of like generic lyrics um, and no disrespect to Mumford and Sons, but like believe I don't think was their best song, like just lyrically, like I don't think it was very good. But the other ones started to come out and I was like, oh, OK, like this is a little bit more. And I realized it's um, I listened to an interview with them, um, a radio interview, and I guess uh, Marcus, the lead singer, he usually writes the lyrics uh, for most of the songs, but in this one, I don't think he wrote or he came up with any of the lyrics. Um, initially he, he might've like added some here right. and there and tweaked it, but it wasn't his initial concept for the lyrics. And he said that was very liberating to have other people write the lyrics for him. And he just kind of had to just sing them and, right. and play guitar. Uh, and so I, I feel like you can tell that he didn't write the lyrics um, because he's always been, I don't know if he still is, but he's always been kind of a well-read individual. Um, he likes to read books and, and, 
especially for the first album for Sign No More, a lot of the lyrics were taken from Shakespeare and like Steinbeck and like a lot of these like classic uh, authors. And that's sort of the stuff that he would, that he would uh, write into, to the songs, especially Dust Bowl Dance is based on Steinbeck and like mm-hmm. Roll Away Your Stone is based on like Macbeth and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, there's a definitely a shift, but I'm still with it. I bought the album. Like I didn't torrent the album. Right. I, I bought the deluxe version of the album because I, I like Mumford and Sons a lot and I will try and, uh, um, support them as much as I can. But it might take a little time for me to just listen to it a little bit more. I was at work while I was listening to it. Yeah. So I wasn't like the most focused on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I still have faith in it. And and if they were to come to Ottawa tomorrow and play live, I would definitely go see it. Because the thing that I I um the thing that I have observed about Mumford and Sons is they're better live than they are recorded in my in my opinion. Which is um, pretty rare. It's very rare. Yeah. Uh it there's just this energy that they have when they're live. And I really liked the live versions of those songs more than the studio recorded right. versions of those songs. Like I saw them do the wolf on SNL and it was completely different to me. And like, that's huh. when I, f- that's when I fell in love with that song. Um, when I saw them do it on SNL, just them up there and moving around and really having a good time. So, um, yeah, I have hopes. I have hopes for it. I think I think it's going to be a good album, and I think if anything, it'll just be a transitional album to something else. Uh, once they get their footing a little bit more, then the, maybe the next album will be a little bit more developed, um, and uh, and it'll kind of bring back the old magic of the first sort of inception of of Mumford and Sons, right. it, while incorporating all these new elements of heavy guitar or heavier guitar and like the, the full drum and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the synthesizers. Yeah. Cool. That's, that was a very thorough assessment, but I, I really enjoyed listening to it and I'm going to appreciate my second listen through a lot more now. <laughs> okay. Did you do your homework BL? I haven't had the opportunity <laughs> you to, to some examine. Yeah. The yeah. whole album. I do appreciate the live versions a lot more. Um, there are a lot more nuances there. I think that I appreciate and of course, being from a rock background, I welcomed the change uh, away from the banjo mm-hmm. and away from the acoustic sort of approach. Um, I understand that a lot of people fell in love with Babel and all the previous albums, but I feel like I welcome experimentation on their half. I mean, mm-hmm. and and to hear them back to their musical roots, you know, from what I can understand, they all came from a sort of a more rock roots. Uh, I welcome that change for them to explore that way. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to hearing the rest of the songs. And they, uh, and they, they kept saying that it was sort of a, a logical shift for them. Um, when they were sound checking, they, they would just play through songs and just kind of jam and, and the banjo just didn't fit anywhere in there anymore. Uh-huh. And like the acoustic instruments didn't really fit in there anymore. And so they just, it was just kind of what they kind of migrated to or evolved to as a, as a band. Um, it just didn't make sense for them, for them, uh, in their minds to, to continue on. Like they wanted to switch it up and do something, something different. And I, we've talked about it at length before, like you go through transitions and you go through 
um, different periods where you tried different music. Uh, like Bob Dylan is a, is a really good example of that. Um, and he's still a relevant uh, artist today and he's still, still quite good. And he's a legend. He's like a music legend. Um, and he did a lot of experimentation. Um, so I do applaud there. It takes a lot of bravery to be known for one thing and then switch gears after two albums and do something different. Um, so yeah, I've got faith in them. I think either, either way, I think they're all talented, very, very talented. And so they'll find their, their, their footing. Yeah. And perhaps they have with this one. Yeah. Just got to listen to it more. The heart made full of fright Your eyes follow like traces in the night In the tightrope But you wander every time You have been weighed, you have been found wanting Been wandering for days How you felt me slip your mind Leave behind your wanton ways I wanna learn to love in kind Cause you Better keep the wolf back from the door Well, he wanders ever closer every night And how he waits Begging for blood I promise you everything would be fine Been wandering for days. Have you felt me slap your mind? Be behind your wanton ways. I wanna learn to love in kind. Cause you were Slip your mind, leave behind your wanton ways. I wanna look you in the eye, cause you're all I
One of the things that I noticed listening to it, and again, I was also at work, so I was not 100% focused on it, but I think that kind of helped. I, within the first five or 10 seconds, I was kind of dancing along to it. And I got, it got to the point where I didn't even really notice where one song ended and another had begun. Mm-hmm. It just sort of flowed really nicely together, which yeah. I thought it, 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 every time that happens, I have to sort of step back from it and realize that they thought that out. They thought out the transitions between the songs and there's no sort there's no thing where it fades away and then abruptly starts something else. It, there's a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was really interesting when I heard Thompson Tompkins square park. Um, and at the very end, they have this kind of synth kind of ambient kind of sound, but then somehow along the way they change keys but like the the transition never stops, um, and then they go into believe, which is a different key than the first huh. song. But so like so they kind of changed the synth, and it was just very fluid for them to move from one key to another key, and without really noticing. And then they start a different song and a different key, and I was like, wow, like that's crazy. Did, did you go back and listen again? And I and, did listen again. Okay, and you yeah. still. It was just very gradual. It was just a very fluid. It was just like a very fluid thing because they had multiple synth sounds overlapping. And it was just like, like, honestly, it was like water. Like they changed keys from one one song to another, but kept that transition uh, there. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So uh, in sticking to the Mumford & Sons sort of thread, uh, I wanted to, we we had a conversation at, uh, at the Sons of Pluto meeting last week and so i wanted to bring up something that we had we had mentioned there and just kind of discuss what you guys thought about it so the making of an ep Mm -hmm. is a long process no i mean you if if it's your full-time job you could probably make get three or four songs recorded mastered in a a couple months if if you were spending all your time on that but you guys are a part-time band and i wanted to kind of discuss what goes into from from start to finish thinking deciding i want it we want to do an ep to having it released like how do you interact with fans talking about it how do you uh deal with finding a studio and finding a producer and and all this stuff that goes into it and maybe just kind of go into your thoughts about what that process has been like so far i mean the ep from sons of pluto has been a long time in the making and i think you guys have all the all the pieces there it's just a matter of putting it all together I think because we were a part-time band, and at the beginning, to be completely honest, we did it out of the simple pleasure that, you know, we enjoyed music, and we didn't really have any idea where it would lead, and so we just kind of took things as they came, and that would explain maybe the first year, two, three, as people came and left, and we started writing some songs, and then all of a sudden, we're like, wait a second... You know, you look out to the crowd or you start to analyze our emails and kind of go, wait a second, people actually do enjoy our stuff and they're starting to remember our original. So it was around that point we said, oh, it might be feasible to actually, you know, put our heads together and create an EP. But because we were part time and we were uh, trying to try on different, you know, hats, yeah. figure out which one worked best for us. It took us a while, I think. Um, but finally, I think we decided to really zone in on this. And it wasn't until that that we started to collect the funds and put our efforts toward that one and only one goal. Right? So I think that's a... 
But we had also toyed with the idea of uh, recording music ourselves. Yeah. And we bought some equipment, uh, some of it which is being used for feedback Absolutely. right now. Um, we bought some some equipment uh, with the purpose of recording ourselves, and then we realized that you know we it takes a lot. It really takes a lot to record something decent, and um, <clears throat> a lot of know how which none of us really had. Like we're not experts in that in that field. I'd like to know more about it, but I just don't. And um, you know, and and also one of the things that slowed us down was that the way that Sons of Pluto is set up financially is that like none of us, uh, apart from investing in our own individual instruments, none of us put our own money into um, into the band, and so it's not like we would have to we were we're gonna split the the cost of an EP, which mm-hmm. is which is. Um, quite a, a bit of money. Yeah. If you um, want to get a producer in a studio and all yeah. this. It's- so it's quite a bit of money. And, but the the thing is that we, and like we mentioned before, we do a lot of charity gigs. So it's not like we're doing these steady, um, well-paying gigs as if we are a full-time band. We're a part-time band who tries our very best not to uh, invest our own money into Sons of Pluto. So we have a band pot of, of money and we use that money to buy like, like rent equipment for a big show. Cause we don't have our own like sound equipment yep. um, and things like that. So we've been kind of, we had to wait for to, for us to get closer to that amount that we need to actually now like consider going into a studio. And we're there now, I think in a couple more shows and we'd be able to actually get into a studio and start yeah. recording. And so the, the way um, the, has it's happened for us was that we played a show, a, f- a fundraising show, actually, for a uh, an indie movie um, called Hen's Night, an Ottawa-produced movie. And uh, someone there saw us play, and he wanted to connect us with this guy that he knew. Um, and this guy, his name is Dominic Darcy. He's, I think, fairly well known in Ottawa. As the singing policeman. He's the yeah. singing policeman. And he's also responsible for, um, for discovering Alanis Morissette and kind of helping her on her way. And so this guy thought that maybe he should hear us and kind of connect us with the, with people that he knew. And so we connected with Dominic Darcy and he came over and listened to us play, I think three of our originals and he really enjoyed it. And then he said that we should really consider, um, uh, hooking up with some producers. And so, uh, he gave us uh, some names. And so we, um, called one of them and he, uh, um, Dean Watson, who's a great producer in Ottawa, um, and he, he gave us a tour of his studio. Very kind of him to to spend the time to to talk to us about the recording process and about what kind of music we play and what kind of things we were expecting from the process. And he gave us a tour and explained to us like how he usually approaches it and that kind of thing. And um, so I think from there we kind of been kind of trying to work to getting enough money that we can actually do this. And now we're getting close. And so I think that's why we've started discussing um, very seriously uh, doing an EP. And um, so hopefully that'll be happening very soon or as soon as we possibly can. But um, it's it's a lot. Whereas other bands probably some bands are only together for months before they record something. Yeah. You know, Um, 
we've kind of taken the long route just because our goals aren't are to necessarily make it big. Like a Sons of Pluto's goal isn't to necessarily make it big. And, and so we've kind of just been playing for fun and stuff. But I think Biel said it. Um, he, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said that people started to respond to our original songs. Uh, people said that have told us that, that they want to have our songs on their iPod so that they can listen to them while they're like walking to work or something like that. And that really struck me. It's just like music that we created that people are really are singing along to and they know the parts of the song. And, you know, if we, there are songs that like, if we didn't play them at a certain show, like we had a shorter set. So we had to, you know, leave out some songs. Mm -hmm. People came over and was like, where was this song? I missed this song. You know, like it's a, it's a good feeling. So just knowing that people are kind of into it. And they're paying attention, you know, you put put a lot of energy and, and, and a lot of, you know, you feel quite vulnerable when you put something out like that, as many artists on stage do, you know, yeah. for, for performing arts and for someone to come back and say, you know what, that I missed that which you did not present or I connected really you know, deeply with what you did present to me. And that for me was very rewarding. And I think it was at that point where we're like, oh, well, we can actually put some, you know, coordinated efforts towards this rather than mm-hmm. toying about it. And Yeah. So we're really we're trying to do it. We're trying to do this EP as a way of just having something for ourselves, some sort of souvenir and some sort of tangible thing uh, that we can look at um, as uh, sort of the culmination of all the work we've done over over the years and the songs that we've written and, and the shows that we've played, but also as a gift to our fans our supporters who have come out to like every show and there's always a lot of people at our shows because our friends are just really really nice people and and and, the music is really really awesome uh there's yeah so our friends are nice people and um, And, yeah and every time i think i have to point this out as well every time you introduce us as amazing musician i kind of have to shy away not look at you because these two both of these talented and then musician both of these things i don't even to this day i don't think is completely applicable to myself. Well, Damien would say the same about himself, but myself certainly. It is completely applicable. (laughs) Every time you say those two words side by side, I'm like, I think you got the wrong guy. (laughs) I've seen, I mean, I'm biased. I will gladly admit my bias, but I have also seen as a third party, I have watched people watch you perform and they, they enjoy it a lot and I enjoy it a lot. So I think that's validation that, objectively you guys are good at music well thank you Rob. talented musician fits thank you but again so it's this sort of battle inside you kind of going well are you sure you're good enough to do this you know it's a couple grand to put this together are you Mm -hmm. like are you taking yourself too seriously what if you release this and you know no one listens to it but again like you say we're often too hard on ourselves and maybe we you know do deserve something like this and like damien says we should share this and you know, thank everyone for following the group of, you know, three of us at the beginning and then four and then five and then four and then three. Like it's, yeah. it's been quite the journey and just thank them to say, Hey, thanks for yeah. all the chances that you took on us since the beginning. Yeah. Like it's. And we haven't spent a lot of time as a band. We haven't spent a lot of time outside of Ottawa. And I have a lot of people from back home from Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo that, um, that, 
know that I'm in a band and they see the photos and they see some of the videos of mainly of us doing like covers and stuff like that, but they don't really know what type of music we play or, or have seen a lot of like decent recordings of music that we've written and that we play. And so I think it, it's going to be another thing for them too, for those people who are kind of far away and long distance supporters um, that, that they get to, to listen to it as well because they can't necessarily come to a show and listen to it live. So, right. Yeah. Excited to, excited to do it and we can continue talking about it. Um, uh, I, I think even like next season, yeah, feedback, yeah, yeah. we'd be, we'd be talking about it still. Cause I'm not sure where at that point, hopefully be. the wheels would be in motion and yeah, well, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that yeah. we actually pull together and do this. It'll yeah. be quite the accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. It takes mm. kind of, it's interesting that people, when you have professional, like musicians who do it for a living, that's all they do. Even still, they kind of have to drop off the map for a few months or, mm-hmm. or even a year or several years. And it, it's really intense thinking about the, the thought of doing that. I mean, obviously you guys right now aren't in the position as a group to be able to do that, but it, even thinking about doing it, just committing months or a year to just making music and then going out and touring or even no matter if it's a tiny tour, it'd be so yeah. cool. Like I know you guys it have thought be- about that. It's all we always joke around. It's like, yo, Damon, what if we took a week off and we wrote, or what if we took a week off and we did this tour? What if we did this and this, like, like full time yeah. musicians? Because there was this one time we took the whole day off together and we had a meal together and we set up together and it just felt like something we could have done um, uh, on the long term. So yeah. it, and it yeah. was it was really the, yeah, it was a really nice it was a really nice day. So like, expand that to like a weekend or a week of of uh of touring i think it'd be really fun because we enjoy each other's company and i think that'd be yeah that'd be really cool but you're right you're right you have to you have to go off you have to go off the grid yeah um and you just have to focus on on the recording aspect of it and do nothing else because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work because we're only we're only a few people in the band and but there we've already started talking about the instrumentation like what we want from these songs like there is only so much that we can do live um for for those songs and uh so for the studio there's a lot more possibilities of layering instruments and having multiple violin parts and having multiple guitar parts and so um, even before we get into the studio, we're going to have to try and figure out what we want from these songs so that when we get in there, we don't waste our time and that we get right down to work. Um, so it's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. But I'm really excited because it's something that I haven't done and something we haven't we something we've done only a little bit to help a friend out for a project. Um, uh, Russell Stewart, uh, who uh, is in a program at Algonquin, um, had us uh, um with him for a couple of projects and um, very talented by the way. Um, so, you know, but we really, we've had a taste and I think we want a little bit more of a taste now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It takes, uh, I, I've talked about this all over the place, uh, but it takes grabbing a whole bunch of time and energy and, and taking it away from other things you're doing and like placing it mm-hmm. in that one thing that's going to take a whole bunch of time. And, and we've talked about spreading really thin and having lots of stuff going on. And that's another thing I actually want to talk about uh, before we wrap up. 
but it takes it takes a bit of a priority and and no matter how much effort you put into recording something like an EP it's going to take it's going to take more than once a week for instance which is what your guys's rehearsal schedule is or practice schedule is at the moment and i think it's so cool to actually say to get together with a group of people and say let's take however long this takes and sort of put thing put things that are still important, but put them on the back burner for a little bit and just do this thing. Well, mm-hmm. I propose the paradoxical view of this because I've seen it um, with Tiger Woods, I think, uh, when he was growing up, but also another guitarist that I follow. And his idea is this. In order for him to have inspiration to continue on this path of music, he must do things that are not music. Oh, yeah. Such that yeah. he has... The drive to do it when it comes time for music because he hasn't done it in so long. He's been mm. inspired. He's gone out and lived life. He's felt feelings. He's, you know, done this and that so that when it comes to time to, to, to write, it's just all this emotion, all this like content comes out automatically. Whereas if you sit down and go music, music, music all the time and you don't live as like a human being, you know, and experience things, it's really hard to write. Yeah. And in terms of Tiger Woods, I think. What had happened was when he grew up was that his dad hid his golf clubs and he could only play in certain periods of time, like after he did his homework or whatever. So every time he played, he enjoyed it and he loved it and he played for hours on end, but it was withdrawn from him and then only given at a certain period of time. Hmm. So when he played, he loved the crap out of the the activity, you know? Yeah, that's definitely important. You need a balance of both, I think. Yeah, That's, that's a good point. Def- definitely be able to prioritize that, but also realize that you have to be able to take some time and step away from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think we are, co- we've gone quite long at this point. Um, it's getting late and I know we want to record some music. So uh, why don't we wrap it up for this week? Sounds sure. good. Well, thanks for this very season. much. Yeah. For this season. Yeah. For this following. week, this month, this season. Yeah. I said the wrong word again. I said week. And I, meant, <laughs> I meant month and ultimately season. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, look forward to, I mean, lots more in the fall with uh, season two of feedback. Look for more Sons of Pluto. Look for um, volume one of feedback soon. I don't know when, but keep your ears to the tracks because uh, that's coming. Wow. That's a really pertinent statement. <laughs> Multiple levels on that. Keep your ears to the tracks. Yeah, the the like railroad track, the railroad tracks, and also the like audio tracks. Ooh, yeah, you you didn't even, <laughs> didn't know, even know it. Know. Yeah, you're so <laughs> deep, <need> man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, you can find this show and others on unwindmedia.com. Uh, this show will be at unwindmedia.com/slash/feedback. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here and and doing this every month. It's been so much fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. All right, we'll see you guys. Take care. Bye.